but that is life. And we have 40 of it. So what are we popping today? Uh, we are talking about mana bases in Magic the Gathering. Well, of course, in Magic the Gathering. We're talking about uh, mana bases for your commander decks. Yeah. And not just any kind of commander, though. Uh, we're looking more along the lines of, like, casually commander. Like, obviously, anyone who talks about mana bases, if you're looking for these specific type of episodes to listen to, you're going to hear a lot of people say, Oh, yeah, here's the shocks. Here's the fetches. Blah, 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 blah. Do that. And uh, that... Me personally, that's just that's just not how I roll. Let me turn um, off my AC unit real quick, just before I ruin get, the episode it's, again. It's about to get hot in here. That's what he's saying. <laughs> yep. So take off all your sleeves. What? <laughs> but yeah, uh, so you play mono black, so you don't have a lot of issues about building up a mana base for color fixing issues I would assume, right? Well, to be fair no, I don't um, but you still get those things, it's like you gotta every mono player always ends up with the same choice at the end snow basics or regular basics <laughs> uh, What do you go for usually? I'm a cheapskate and I can never find 32 of the same art Snowland that I like at the same time. So I stick with the basics. I just have more of them on hand. So are you a religious um, uh, same art land kind of person? For the same deck, usually, yeah. yeah. Uh, just It makes it so that when I pull the card, like there's no confusion in my mind. I know exactly what it is. It's when I'm shuffling through my deck, I I don't get my mind doesn't or when I'm looking through tutoring something, I see like a, not even a ten percent of the art, and I already know switch by you know, like my brain automatically says I'm not looking for that. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. But uh, so I think also uh, I really like the Bolus Swamps from. Um, uh, the desert set. Uh, Amonkhet or Hour of Devastation? Yeah. I loved the Bolas Swamps. I'm just saying. Yeah, they did a really good job in that. that. It was like a weird set to do full arts, but I feel like I, looking back on it, I really appreciate that we have them. From it the definitely, they definitely stood out. Like, if there's sets where I liked full art lands more than others, it's that set, Amonkhet, and the Eldrazi uh, Gatewatch lands. Oh, yeah. Because oh. all the lands were unique to the fact that, look, this is definitely... Uh, fuck. It's too waste. early. Yeah, like waste. Yeah. And, or all the swamps and stuff from that set or whatever. You know, mm -hmm. they they're very obviously... Because they had the Hedrons. You know? Yeah, and the Bolas lands—they had the Bolas horns, so it's like you know where those lands came from, and I just had good memories with those sets. They were a lot of fun. Yeah, no, definitely. Like those, those—they don't even need a set symbol. You know, I could identify that from across the table. Where like the Zendikar lands, even like the original ones are 
I think are good, but it's like, I mean, this could be from any of the any of the eight Zendikar sets, or uh, five plus two plus one, six Zendikar sets now, or it could just be from, like, any plane, except for Oath of the Gatewatch, because they have, like, the Eldrazi spin to them. Yeah, yeah. and that's why I like them, because it's just, they stood out. Mm-hmm. It's... You, anyone else who knows their set stuff could look at those lands and immediately know those are Zendikar lands. Those are Amonkhet lands. Yeah, you can identify a lot of uh, what I imagine is the Innistrad lands because they're very... Uh, what's the word? Noir, I guess? Yeah. And obviously with the new etched ones, there's only so many of those about. Mm-hmm the but, color shifted ones yeah yep. so there's my two normally my two primary choices in lands is uh <laughs> what set and um swamp uh, forest snow covered or not basically <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going to talk about just that yep. obviously we've got a whole episode to work with uh and this is going to be a lot easier for us than covering that that the deck tech we did because mm-hmm. We didn't know what the hell we were walking into, basically. Oh, I guess and I... I should, I should quickly mention the error I made last episode. Uh, I made one, too. So you go first. Um, yeah, so... This is something I learned about Mutate. Um, apparently, the creature only has the color identities of the top card, so Fey Barrow Elder with the Destroyer on top of it is just a 5-5, five five, not a 7-7, seven seven, which is one sad for me to hear, because it's not as good in uh, standard, but I guess Ikoria's not standard anymore. Or is it? I don't know. I don't play that garbage format. <laughs> and Okay, cool. We made the yeah. same mistake. Oh, perfect. Perfect. At least the same mistake in thought process. I don't. I didn't listen to see exactly who said it, but we both went along with it without even looking. So, mm-hmm. that's that. We corrected that. Um, and hopefully that didn't cause anybody confusion about two power. Yeah, there's, there's just some guy sitting there who ordered like 30 favor there's 30 destroyers getting ready to build his new decks and is about to rant How at many? Us. I mean, obviously he's not playing commander. Nah, 30 different commander decks. All of them. 30 Naya. different commander mutate decks. Yep. <laughs> you go, boy. Get it. Well, he can't anymore. We ruined it. <laughs> we can, but now it's fair. Yeah, because uh. mutates weird. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, how do we want to start this off? Do we want to talk about just like, like the mana proportions, like, like pips versus cart things that produce mana, and then go from there? Yeah, yeah, I think that's smart. Yeah. So like, for me, when I'm building my, let's say I was I built my Rakdos deck. It's my one currently non mono black deck um and it did ironically have a lot of black in it who knew um but i basically i sorted my cards out looked at it and i'm like oh here's my red pile here's my black pile here's my mixed pile now out of that i had say 30 red pips and 60 black pips now when i look at the lands and, and artifacts and stuff for my mana production i'm gonna want a one to two ratio 
for every one red mana production I have, I want two black mana production. So if I'm only playing basics, I'm going to have 10 mountains, 20 swamps. And then as I improve my mana base, I'm going to be... The duels are going to count for one for each side, but I will never go below three basics. Mm -hmm. I know that's weird for some competitive players and such, but I will always have three basics just because a lot of the lands, uh, dual type lands I like, actually involve having basics and such. Oh, yeah. And also, you don't want to get snuffed out by like a Path of Exile or Ghost Quarter like effect. Or a Bad Moon. Or a Bad Blood Moon. moon. Blood moon. <laughs> yeah, Blood Moon. Ugh. Feels so bad sometimes. Yeah, it does. Except when you're sitting there playing Mono Black and you're like, that's cool. <laughs> Everybody's mountains are swamps, too. Because no, wait, no they're not, because then my Urberg is a mountain. It's such a shame. Sad face. No bad lands for everybody. Right? <laughs> bad moon. <laughs> now it makes sense. Yep. Um, but, like, that's how I do it. Like, I do a very, very, try and make a very clean pip to production ratio. Yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. I always, um, I always take tally of how many, what's it, uh, dual lands I have that produce all the colors I want first and then go into it. But, uh, and I never try to dip below 10 ways to produce any single color. Um, and I, my, how many lands do you run? Because I run 33 to 36 lands in a given deck. Unless it's landfall or something, then of course I run more. Um, well, for my Rubik's, um, my core has mm -hmm. 32 lands. Ooh. And... That does not mean that's all the lands I run, because each individual shell uh, will normally have lands that are have effects mm -hmm. or things that are good for that. But I try to get after the core and the and my Rubik's is shuffled, the shell are put together. Normally, I'm at anywhere from 35 to 36 lands. Oh jeez! Uh, like my Conrad, uh, which I just recently converted to knights. Uh, it thrives off having stuff in my graveyard or having a lot in play. So two of its extra lands are like uh, Agadim's tomb thing. Crypt of Agadim. Ag yeah, Crypt of Agadim. And uh, Nykthos, Shrine oh, of Nyx. So good. And, but when I look over at my like uh, Singer and Falthus Voltron, um, I'm running things like the Exalted Lands and Rogue's Passage and such. Mm -hmm. And then in Geth, uh, a couple of my lands are like Buried Ruin or Inventor's Fair, you know? Things that wouldn't work in the other decks. So it's like, I try to make my normal mana of just production about 30. And then I go into like five or six effect lands that have neat effects specifically for the deck. Yeah, I think that's a good way of doing it. And I, I guess that's a good segue into uh, how many effects lands do you like to have in general, or do you think should be in a deck? Because they, because uh, you know, a lot of them just produce colorless mana, so they're not going to help you mana fix. Um, but sometimes their effects are just so hard to pass up on. 
Um, well, for black at least. Yeah. Um, I run a two to a two to one ratio. For every two, just mana production lands, mm-hmm. I've got like one effect land, like uh, two swamps, reliquary tower, two swamps, Nefalia Academy, two swamps, Ghost Quarter, two swamps, Field of Ruin, two swamps, Urberg. But Urberg is one of the reasons why in black I have so many colorless producing lands. Yeah, because I can get away with it. Green has something similar, and. And a couple other colors have ways of making everything produce whatever they want, mm-hmm. or fil- filter artifacts, things like that. So unless you have a way to convert your colorless into something else, uh, you want to run like a three to one, I yeah. would say. And I think um, another thing is like as soon as you start branching into two colors. You would think it has to go down, but because two colors have so many artifacts that give you both colors of mana, I think you can kind of keep it the same ratio. And you you get lands that produce both sides, too, so you can really get away with a lot of stuff. Yeah. And there's even lands that filter for two colors. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... The filter lands are very popular. So I think uh, we both prepared some cycles of artifacts slash mana rocks to talk about. Um, do you, would you like to go first? Uh, yeah, first I'll start off with the artifacts that I will mention that I put the lowest on my totem pole, like mm-hmm. the last thing that I will get. And if I'm really struggling for mana fixing, the last bit of artifacts that I go to... Um, and I'm saying this with keywords that are in these artifacts names that will help you find all of them if they end up being what you want to look at. And those are obelisks, monuments, cameos, banners, clue stones, keystones, and lockets. They're all normally under a buck and sometimes under a quarter. And they're just really, if I really have to, if I really just don't have the time or the money to grab one of any of the other artifacts I can find. These are quick go-tos. Um, I don't have any in my collection, but I know that I could, if I had a dollar in my pocket, I could get one of each of these things probably for the whole dollar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, and they're, uh, they're all three costs put... as well. Yeah. I don't think I've put one of those in my deck in a long time. It's not like they were bad when they came out, but over time, they just keep adding three-cost rocks that just do more. Like, there's so many variants of three-cost rocks that you could find something else. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason I say that is because Commander Sphere is the three-cost. It is like the premium three-cost rock for color fixing um, because it's so cheap and effective and they've made so many variants of it that are just better than these other rocks that I mentioned that only produce two or three colors. Yeah. With that being said, I think the lockets are kind of better. They're probably the best out of all the ones that I mentioned. Because they draw two cards, which is so nice. But like, they also so cost more. But oh, yeah. they cost three mana. 
Yeah, if you're struggling for draw power, that could mm -hmm. pan out for you in the long run. If you're in Boros or, uh, uh, what's it but called? It... Uh, white, white, green, Selesnya. I guess green has plenty of draw nowadays. Yeah, aside from the actual strictly color fixing, mm -hmm. when you look at those and you're looking for specific effects, that's where you might pick up some of those. Yeah. I, uh... Like, like the monuments turn into creatures. Um... The clue stones, uh, the key, the key runes, I think, also do different things individually. But like the obelisks, the lockets, and the clue stones draw you cards. Yeah, and the lockets do it two cards, which is just so much better. I mean, it costs you more mana, but mm -hmm. you get more cards. Yeah, and you're usually doing it at a time in the game where mana doesn't matter to you because you're sacrificing a mana rock. And it's instant speed, so you can save it for an opponent's end and, step. and steps. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's well. a a good starting note, because they're just... You know, if you're if you're playing, like, super budget, maybe you're playing uh, on a restricted budget for the purpose of your group. You know, maybe you're all like, hey, let's build a deck for under $50. That could be pretty worth it. Yeah, with obelisks, monuments, cameos, banners, cluestones, key runs, lockets, a commander's sphere. Uh, that's that's eight rocks. Boom. And you probably got them all for a dollar or two, maybe. <laughs> and you have draw effects, man, uh, artifacts turn into creatures, and some pump, things like that. You get a variety of effects for very cheap, but the cost does weigh in. Yeah. And well, speaking of cost, there was a trap I fell into really early in Commander, and I was thinking if a land was expensive price-wise, it was good. <laughs> don't, don't ask me why. Um, and this trap led me into buying a bunch of fast lands. Um, oh, because it was in standard at the time. No, it wasn't even... This was before Kaladesh. <laughs> So this was just the Mirrodin Fastlands. Uh, oh. So these are a cycle. They don't have the basic land types. Um, the Mirrodin ones are the allied colors. The Kaladesh ones are the enemy colors. Um, and they enter the battlefield tapped if you control two or fewer other lands. So if it's your third or earlier land enters untapped, it's great. I, I love them in CDH. That's why I kind of don't regret it. Play them in CDH all the time. Um not great in casual commander um because something we might talk about later um is my burning hatred for guild gates and these are just guild gates without the gate subtype which probably won't come in handy to you and also worse if you've played three lands or if you've accelerated at all you know like in your if you're in green there's almost no reason to run these other colors you can make an argument Fair enough. Do they have yeah. the land type? Mm -mm. Nope, not fetchable. They are. Okay, so that's a yeah. that's a good segue before we start actually going into all the lands. Uh, a lot of things we took into consideration when building things we're going to mention here are whether the land came into play tapped or untapped, um, whether it produced multiple colors, and how many colors it produced, so to speak, 
and if it had an additional effect, and if it actually had land types. Some of the ones I mentioned will have land types, some won't. And that took a, it had a big factor in whether or not I like the card for my suggestions today. Yeah, I, I think that's just, what those are what you need to do when you're evaluating land, because uh, fetchable is so huge. So do we want to hop over to bounce back and forth between lands and artifacts, or do we want to finish off artifacts and then come back? Um, I think we can bounce back between them, because I think uh, at the end of the day... So we were just talking... We just mentioned... Yeah. I asked that question because of we mentioned fetching. Um, did you see any lands that fetch that you wanted to mention? Lands that fetch? Um, I saw a, one specific one. I don't think I could find a cycle for it. Uh, I know this is weird, but Cross and Verge. Ah, Cross and Verge. Yeah. Uh, Cross and Verge. What exactly does it do again? It's the one with a plains and a forest, right? Yeah. Um, enters battlefield tap taps for a colorless, and you pay two mana and tap it, sacrifice it, search your library for a forest card and a plains card, put them onto the battlefield tap and shuffle. So it's essentially a variant of Myriad Landscape. Um, which is in my suggestions, so that's it segues to that real easily. Um, mm -hmm. Now, but in that one, you get a plains or forest. That means you can go get any land that has a plains type and any land that has a forest type. Yeah. It's pretty good. But it didn't have a cycle of its own, but it does link to a cycle I'm going to mention, which are the Mirage fetches. Yeah. From Mirage. Uh, like, uh, I, bad river uh, but they they come into play tapped um but when you tap sacrifice them they work exactly like evolving wilds or terramorphic expanse except the land doesn't have to come into play tapped uh the fetch itself technically came into play tapped and the land you go get doesn't have to so you could go get any land that has the two types that are on that fetch there's one of the there's five different ones and you go get the land that it said, like uh, Bad River, uh, as a swamp or an island, and it comes into play. Now, if that land itself had a come into play tapped effect, that would still happen. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. Whereas most fetches will bring it into play tapped with an additional, unless it has its own effect. Yeah, that's the rule. They allow you to get so much of the benefit of fetches in Casual Commander without the price tag. Now that being said, I just want to quickly say, if you want to buy fetches, now's the time. Uh, they just got reprinted kind of recently. But, uh, yeah, like they, fill, they still thin your deck, they still get you the mana you need. They can pivot you into getting um, a tri three colors of mana now with the Trilands from uh, Ikoria. They're just, uh, if you're playing two or more colors, if you're playing two colors, I would consider them. If you're playing more than two colors, I would just run them if you're playing on a budget and can't afford the fetches. And even if you can afford normal fetches, they're not bad at all. So like the Trilands, uh, you mentioned the Trilands from Ikoria. They're, yeah. they come, they're, they come into play tapped, uh, have all three land types and produce three different types of mana. Yeah, yeah, they produce and they have cycling. Um, oh, and they have cycling. Yeah, they well, just, oh, 
Okay, so I was going to mention the regular Trilands, which I used to call Traplands because they produce all three mana. They come into play tapped, but they don't have any of those. They don't have any of the types, and they don't have cycling. So those are Trilands. What you just mentioned are Trihardlands. <laughs> yeah, these are... Um, I believe wow, these are, are all really over good. 10 right now. I could be wrong, but they're, uh, yeah, no, they're, so, they're insane. I mean... If you are going to fetch and not use the mana immediately, this is your this is what you should fetch for. Like, um, there's always this thing uh, when I played CDH. Um, if you're cracking a fetch, you need to threaten for a counterspell even if you don't have one. Um, or if you're cracking on an opponent's end step, you should get your shock land into play tap to preserve your life total uh, for a. Uh, What's it called for Adnaz play? But these, um, if you're gonna, in casual commander, I still kind of follow this line of thinking because it's just usually the correct play. Um, with these, if you're getting it landed to play tapped, there's just so much advantage to getting this one. Or even if you're getting it landed to play and it could be untapped, but you're not gonna use it for anything, getting one of these is so worth it. Because, ugh. And then late game you can cycle it, which is just unneeded upside on these, honestly. <laughs> it's the cycling. I didn't even know that. That's really good, because yeah. I, I had a thing I was going to mention about lands that cycle, and I completely missed those. So, I was going to mention uh, the bicycle and unicycle lands, uh, where there's a cycle of them that are one color, and they come into play tapped, but you can cycle them for one, some of them, two, and you draw a card. Then there's the bicycle lands, which you'll see in a second what I call them that. And <clears throat> they produce two colors. I believe all of them cost two to cycle, and you draw a card. And they come into play tapped. There, and then now, apparently, there's tricycle lands, <laughs> but those have types. The other one, These other ones didn't. So if you're playing three colors, four colors, whatever, those are going to be better if yeah. you're playing a deck that uses cycling go get it you know like cycling's not a bad thing yeah because it's if you draw a land and you've already played a land this turn from effect you have an option to say okay no i need something different yeah these are just a better version of the rare lands from Amonkhet, which had cycling for two i believe so that's slightly one more man on their cycling effect but were had the land types and entered tapped, but were only two color. But yeah, these like I could definitely see you just throwing these in uh, even only a three color deck if these are exactly your three colors. Right, because it just it can't really hurt you. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, if you're playing a cycle matters deck, yeah, you got it wrong. Yeah, anything that can generally care about drawing or discarding. In general. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can fill up the yard for a big uh, Splendid Reclamation play. Oh. Uh, no, that I guess that's... So, I think it's my turn for a hot mention. Yeah. Um, not even in the same area at all. Because <laughs> we, we segued it back and forth between a lot of things, from the Trilands to Cycling... <clears throat> but this one is uh, 
This is very specifically, a, I think, a me card. Uh, these are <laughs> called, they're tainted lands. And it was a cycle of four lands that they don't have a type, they don't come into play tapped, they produce one colorless, but they also can produce black or X if you control a swamp. And you take one, I think they cost you a life. Let me double check. But still. Um, no, they don't even cost you a life. They're so good. Yeah. They just uh, add one colorless to your mana pool, and then you add, like, tainted field. They all have tainted in the name. Mm-hmm. And uh, tainted field. Add white or black to your mana pool. Play it if you play this ability only if you control a swamp. If you're playing black, and this is why I never go below so many basics, it's not a bad card. Like, no, yeah. it doesn't, there's no pain, doesn't come to play tapped, and it can always help you. Yeah, I mean, it's just better than the pain lands if you're playing a uh, black deck. Yeah. If you're playing black in one, I should say. And it says only if you control a swamp. It doesn't say basic. Yep. So, you got one of those tri lands in play that are black? It counts. <laughs> Period. Got an Urborg in play? You're good to go. Yeah. If your opponent has an Urborg in play, you're solid. <laughs> uh, nothing's more devastating than playing an Urborg for, only for your opponent to top, de- top deck the Cabal Coffers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. It is. Yeah. Ugh. But that's why I play Ghost Quarter and Field of Ruin. Also fetches. <laughs> yeah. Only only Josh gets to play Cabal Coffers at this table. <laughs> There could only be one. <laughs> but yeah, no, those are... The Tainted Lands are so good. I, I run them in five-color decks, even. Just because, you know, why not? But... Exactly. exactly. Yeah. If you're playing black, the Tainted Lands are good. Yeah, they're just... Like I said, they're better Pain Lands, and the Pain Lands are already pretty good. I guess, I guess, there's no drawback. Yeah, there's no drawback, um, and they uh, because it's they tap very, for very minor requirement. They they tap for a colorless too, even if you don't have a swamp, right? Yep. Yeah, that's just oh, that's so good. They're never useless. They just have a minor requirement mm-hmm. to be fantastic. And I guess we should mention the painlands now because I I think they're I I I am the painland respector. I. Uh, Life is a resource, and I will use one of it to get the color of mana I want. <laughs> so, the Painlands are a cycle um, from... Oh, gosh. I don't even know the first... I think 8th edition was their first set. Um, but probably before that. And they've been reprinted ad nauseum since then. Um, and they don't have the basic land type. So, they're just a land. They enter untapped. They can tap for a colorless, or they can tap for... One of two colors, there's one in each color cycle for every two-color pair for life. So worth it. You can use them as colorless mana later on when you have your fixing. You can use them as color mana early. You know, your life is a resource. Use it. Um, they're, they're just good. Un- My thing is if a land doesn't have the basic land types, I want it to enter untapped. Now, I'll help you out a little bit. Uh, you were mentioning 8th edition... And I think that was their first reprint altogether. Oh, God, they're even earlier? Uh, yeah. The first cycle, uh, which was for allied colors, was Ice Age. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and their second reprint for enemy colors was 
Mercadian masks. Oh my gosh. Way so, yeah. back in the day. <laughs> These things have been in Magic for a while. Um, you know, they'll be reprinted long after I've passed. <laughs> like, they were printed so long ago that their, their original text on the card was tap, add one colorless. Tap, add one white to your mana cool, like a darker waste deals one damage to you. Then, tap, add blue to your mana pool, a darker waste deals one oh, damage to you. God. Oh my gosh. And now they're condensed to tap, add white, blue, it deals one damage to you. Mm-hmm. And then, when mentioning these, I also want to mention City of Brass and, uh, Oh, I forgot that the one from... Uh, Mana, Mana Confluence? Mana Confluence. Uh, they both... Uh, Grand Coliseum? Grand Coliseum. Perfect. I always forget about that one. Um, and then there's one that does it for three... I guess I should say what they do first. Uh, they tap for any color, but you take a damage. Um, I believe City of Brass can tap for a colorless, if I'm not wrong. Um, uh, yes, it can, yes, it can. It can? You only take the pain if you tap for... City of Brass will give you a pain no matter what when it becomes tapped. Mm -hmm. But it will tap for colors. Oh no! It says add one mana of any color to your mana pool, so you actually can't do colorless. Did they reprint it though? Uh. Yeah, any color. You can't add colorless with it. Yep. But still, uh, I mean, having five mana colors represented on a land, super good. Um, it doesn't enter tapped. Neither does Nykthos. Does Grand Coliseum enter tapped? It does. It does. So slightly worse. Um, so now there's good. Gateway Plaza. And there's tapped, and you have to sack it unless you pay one. Yeah. Um, no reason to play these in a monocolor deck, unless you're doing my favorite thing, and that's playing Darien, King of Kajeldor, and tapping these bad boys to, to hurt yourself and trigger your commander. Oh. Now, some colored uh smaller color decks can play effects that use opponents cards um and if you're doing that you may want some cards in your deck to give you any color mana mm -hmm. because some of the cards you may borrow from your opponents uh thievery uh may have abilities on them that require colors to activate yeah so if you're doing something that you know you might use cards that are outside of your color identity yeah couple of these won't hurt you send triplets perfect yeah there you go just don't play send triplets that was my alternative offer <laughs> right but we are playing commander so opal palace opal palace yeah that's uh that's okay because those ones enter tap so they're a little if it, i don't know there's something there's something in my brain i can't explain it it's like enter tapped try no, no, lands no, no, from no. cons wrong, wrong, wrong palace Oh, isn't Opal Palace enter tapped? It gets counters? No, no, no. This is tap, add one to your mana pool. Pay one tap, add one to your mana pool of any color in your commander's color identity. And if you spent it to cast your commander, it enters with a plus one, plus one counter equal number of times it's been cast in the command zone this game. Oh, you're, I was thinking about the wrong card. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. You, the, uh, the, the old, the, the old Dryland Palace. Yeah. Opulent. Opulent Palace. Opal, Opal Palace is okay. Yeah, I mean, especially if you know you're going to be possibly playing your commander a couple of times. Kalia. Um, it's not a bad thing. 
Yeah, do you, do you run this in any of do you run this in your Sun Gear deck? Uh mm, No, I play a Forge of Heroes in that one. Mm. Where I tap it after my commander comes in play to give it a plus one plus one counter. Yeah. I probably sh should run open house. Uh, well I guess Sun Gear's expensive, so you're uh, it would be more of, like, something to play onto, uh, Falthus late game. Yep. To pivot. Yeah. And also, I don't steal a lot of stuff, so the multicolor doesn't matter. Mm hmm So, yeah. But, yeah. Um. Also, I can use Forge of Heroes in any way my commander comes into play. For that deck, I do play a little graveyardy stuff. Um. But Opal Palace says when you cast your commander that it comes into play with that many plus one plus ones. Yeah. Um, real quick. So what, um, mana, do you have any mana rock cycles picked out? Um, besides the one that I totally railed on, um, <laughs> I like the diamonds. The diamonds. That are, the diamonds don't get enough love. Now, they only give you one color, but there's mm -hmm. one for each color. They only cost two. They enter tapped, but they produce one color without without any other costs. They're normally pretty cheap, easy to get a hold of, and they're classic. They're okay. Uh, I would never be caught dead running the green one, because if I'm going to pay two mana to ramp in green, it's going to be like rampant growth or farseek. But the, the rest of them I can... Like, if you're playing... Jess guy, I would I would consider running all three. Right. On. Yeah. Yeah, they're just they're they're cheap, they're underrated, but they're still good. Mm-hmm. They're decent. I uh I guess now's a good time to mention. Um the more colors you have, the better mana rocks you get access to. Uh mm -hmm. so like And if, more, of course. Yeah, <laughs> more of them. So like if you're playing um Boros, you you basically have the Boros Talisman, the Boros Signet, uh, and then your two diamonds. And that's more or less it for Mana Rocks, especially if you're on a budget. Um, and then you've also got the Arcane Signet. Yeah, then you have Arcane Signet, I should mention, and Soul Ring. Um, for under, under two mana, I should say. Um, but yeah. then the second you put in... So that's six cards. The second you put blue into your deck, so you become Jeskai, you can run Azorius Signet, the blue white talisman then you can run the is it signet and ignis and is it talisman so if you're putting in one more color suddenly you get four more ramp and that's 10 cards and that's you know that's a tenth of your deck basically you can have this ramp suddenly that's under two mana to play yeah i would i would never turns. play the, i like the diamonds i would play them in two color decks i won't play them in three or more because at that point i've got all those signets and talismans and literally Pretty much every artifact that says Talisman or Signet on it is good, <laughs> mm -hmm. as far as the two-cost ones go. And the more colors you add, the more Signets and Talismans you get access to. And it, there's no reason to play the Monotap Diamonds unless you're specifically an artifact deck. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Um, so I guess something I always like to keep track of is... The, uh, hold on, I'm muting my Discord. My, I'm getting so many pings. <laughs> uh. Uh, while you're doing that, I will say, I have one thing I'll mention as far as artifacts go for mana fixing. And if you noticed, 
lot of cards I've been mentioning, I've been mentioning them by their keyword and their name. And there's one keyword that if you have one, you could probably play it and be okay and get away with it. And that's damn near anything with the words Lotus or Mox in the name is good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only one you need to be careful about putting in your deck is Mox Amber. You need to make sure you have a consistent way to get a legendary creature out early. But, I mean, it's yeah. Commander, so... <laughs> you should be good, I would hope. Unless you're running, like, Progenitus as your Commander. Then maybe not. So, I mean, that's basically... Yeah, when it comes to artifacts, I look up four words and see if I have it. And that's Signet, Talisman, Diamond, Lotus... Okay, five words. Mox. P.S. I don't have any Moxes or Lotus. So... <laughs> Uh, what you don't got a, you don't got a Mox Lotus or whatever the card from uh, Unhinged is that produces infinite mana. Nope, I buy singles, and un <laughs> Unhinged and Unglued are not legal, so I only buy the tokens and the lands. Fair enough. Um, I guess this is like a weird thing from my past playing Joyride and CDH, but there's. In if you're under three colors, you can get a you can get away with running two mana artifacts that enter untapped, and produce one colorless. And there's actually not that many. Uh, um, I like Mindstone. Mindstone, that's the best one I think. Um, other than uh, it, it's Arcane got a Signet. close call, it's got a close call on uh, on rocks. Uh, there's another one that's really good for two costs that just produces one colorless. Thought uh, vessel. Yes. Yeah. Thought Vessel. Thought Vessel is super good. Two mana artifact. Uh, enters untapped. Taps for a colorless. You have no maximum hand size as well. Everflowing Chalice. Mm -hmm. How can we forget that one? Everflowing. Even better Enjoyer because you can play it for zero. Um, fractured Power Stone. Um, <laughs> two mana. Yeah. Uh, taps for one generic mana. Or one colorless mana. And... You can also tap it to roll the planner die, activate only as a sorcery. You can still run this if you're not playing Plane Chase. Um, yeah, actually, while I was trying to find that one, and you found it before me, I did find one artifact that I wasn't a cycle, so I forgot to mention it. Uh, but it's the ultimate mana fixing. It's Chromatic Lantern. Oh, so good. It's not cheap, though. <laughs> How much is Chromatic Lantern nowadays? Oh, um, doo -doo 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 -doo. while I'm looking that up, uh, you got, I think we're good on artifacts, right? Well, yeah, I was just going to say the last one, which is Liquid Metal Torque. Um, two mana, enters untapped, taps for colorless. You can also tap, target non-land permanent becomes an artifact in, in addition to its other types. Um, great in any deck that cares about artifacts. You know, if you're playing Memnarch, you can turn something into an artifact so you can steal it. Just, but yeah. Um, I think the cheapest lantern I could find was ten bucks. Cheapest lantern yeah, in near in near mint. That's not terrible. Um. Well, here, why don't we go over? Um, possibly I always bunch these together when I'm making decks: Shadowlands and uh, Checklands. Uh, you, you mean Shadowlands and Battlelands, right? For those who might be confused. Uh no no Checklands the uh. Enter untapped if you control a land of the type. 
From Battle for Zendikar? No, no, no they're from uh, Corsets. Uh, Sun Petal Grove is one. They they were reprinted in um, what's the Ixalan? Oh. Do you not know about these? Uh, they're not checking in the head. Yeah, um, Sun Petal Grove, Dragon Skull Keep, I believe, is one. Glacial Fortress is another one. Um, the, it's a cycle of lands um, of each two-color type. They don't have the land type, and they read like this. Um, when they enter the battlefield, they enter the battlefield tapped, unless you control a forest or plains for Sun Petal Grove, which is the green-white one. Obviously, island or um, plains for the blue-white one, so on and so forth. Um, and they're every color oh. combination. They're great. They're kind of like the Tainted Lance, but for every color combo. Cool. And yeah. that actually segues right into the land I was about to mention, the Battle for Zendikar lands. There's yeah. only five, but they're very similar to the Czech lands, or the, the single basic. Uh, but these, they enter tapped unless you control two or more basic lands, none specific. Mm -hmm. uh, but they have the land type. And that's yeah. like Canopy, Canopy Vista, Cinderglade, Prairie Stream. But they're all from Battle for Zendikar. Uh, Smoldering Marsh, Sunken Hollow. Do they finish that cycle? I want to say they did. But I couldn't find it while I was finding more relevant things to mention. Yeah, I can... No, yeah, it's only um, Prairie Stream, which is blue-white, Sunken Hollow, which is blue-black. Smoldering March, which is black-red, Cinderglade, which is red-green, and Canopy Vista, which is green-white. That's such a shame. I can't believe they didn't reprint these when we went back to Zendikar. How did I not re remember those those check lands, though? Because they've been around since 10th edition and the first Erstrad. Yeah, they're... They're so good. <laughs> like I play them in almost any deck I can maybe it's because I, uh, when I was looking for things to mention I was looking for anything that was under $10 so I don't think anything I've mentioned besides Moxes or Lotuses <laughs> is above 10 <laughs> I think the checklines are all below 10 though I'd be surprised if any of them are it would just depend on random modern or legacy decks at the time yeah. you always gotta watch out for the blue red one <laughs> Blue red is always crazy when it comes to lands. You never know what's gonna pop. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but the Tango lands are so good because they're fetchable. Uh, they can enter untapped. Um, usually in casual commander they will late game. Just so much value. Um. And then the only one I have left on my list of things to mention positively is the uh, Shadowlands. Do you have anything left you might want to mention? Uh, Shadowlands. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, do you, um, what do you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's harder when you're playing more colors. Because uh, mm -hmm. you have to reveal a card from your hand, which specifically one of the two land types that thing has when it comes into play or, or tapped. Mm -hmm. But that does give you the option of just playing it tapped, even though you could have that other card in your hand. To not give away things if you're not playing, not gonna need it, you know. Yeah, I guess we should say how they work specifically real quick. Yeah. Um, I'll just use an example. Port Town is the blue-white one. 
Um, as port town enters the battlefield, you may reveal a plains or island card from your hand. If you don't, enters tapped, um, and then it produces a white or blue. Um, I guess the only thing I don't like about these is for them to enter untapped, you need to already have access to the mana colors. Um, but that being said, if you have a plains, maybe you don't have an island, and then you play this, reveal the planes, tap it for a blue immediately. Right. Yeah. It's options. Mm -hmm. And they and there are this is a complete cycle. We do have all ten. It was finished in Strixhaven. Nice. Uh, yeah, just super good. No land type, sadly. I think there's only one other thing I could mention as far as lands and artifacts go. And yeah. they're, they're kind of low on my mention list, and this is probably why I got to them last. But these are... The first thing I mentioned is the panoramas. Yeah, yeah. I completely... I always forget about them. Now, we mentioned fetches earlier, but these can fetch up to three different types of basic lands. Uh, obviously, if you're playing some sort of green, you have probably much better options. But... You pay, it comes into play, it produces a colorless. You can pay one and tap it and sacrifice it to go get one of three basic land types, basic land types, and put into play tapped. Mm -hmm. If you really, uh, like, specifically, these are really great for if you're playing any kind of landfall or having a lot of card delve effects for having cards in your graveyard, or... You just ran out of ideas on lands and you're like I just don't want to go buy another one of these lands so I'm not going to pay like another $2 for another snowcorn land I'll just throw a panorama in there and go get it that way you know if you're already playing like an evolving wilds a terramorphic expanse the mirage fetches why not yeah they're they're just good you know they have they give you access to just having any of the colors you want on your next turn um, and they thin your deck, which is not as big of a deal in Commander, but still uh, something you should keep track of, I think. Yeah, card yeah. draw is obviously more important than thinning your deck. Mm -hmm. And obviously lands coming into play untapped or fetches costing no mana to activate is important, but these are not bad but they're still viable. Yep. Um, and the last are... Oh, there is another type of land we can mention that we didn't. Oh. The bounce lands. Yeah, I can dig into those for about another hour if you want. Oh, well then, fine. Before we do that, um, a neat artifact that, that will lead into this is yeah. the, bo the border posts. The border posts. Yeah, they're three-cost artifacts that when you play them, you bounce a land to your hand. Like Field Mist Border Post. One a blue and a white artifact. You may pay one and return a basic land you control to its owner's hand rather than play Field Mist Border Post Mana Oh, okay, okay. It comes into play tapped, and you can tap add blue or white to your mana pool. So it's a one, technically a one-cost artifact and you bounce the land to get tapped, and it produces two colors. They made five of them. 
Um, they're not bad. They're not great. I wouldn't put them in any deck, except for ones that involve wanting to have card options in my hand for discard or something, mm -hmm. or for landfall. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, I used to play the four color Omnath, and I ran the uh, balance lands. I can see myself running these, but uh, God, are they awful outside of that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unless you're in so bad art artifacts matter, or in a deck that you can play multiple lands per turn. Yeah, or 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 if you want to be that guy at the unrestricted table and run like four Armageddon effects, you know, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to be like, I'm gonna have zero lands in play when I play this Armageddon. <laughs> and then your opponent responds with a flashed uh, destroy all artifacts, and you're like, well, here we go. I get to suffer too now. <laughs> Gosh, at least I got lands in my hand. So, uh, you mentioned the Bounce Lands, and I mentioned digging into them, uh, and I guess I can lump the Guild Gates in these. Um, these are Before lands... Before you start, I'll give you something to lead into it with the Landwise. Oh, boy. I'm, I have a 50% chance that you forgot about these. They're... Because I'm positive you're about to go into all the Ravnica Bounce Lands. Nope. <laughs> no, oh. I'm not. Volcanic, uh, whatever it is, the Karoo Lands... Oh, okay. So you are starting with the visions. I, they're so bad. They're even worse. <laughs> All right. So I know the bounce lands. I actually think that they're okay, but I know the I hundred percent hate the guild gates with you. So let's rail on those for a minute. Why <laughs> not to play them? Yeah. Why? All right. So the guild gates. They enter tapped. Produce two colors. Don't have any land types. Just run a basic land. <laughs> it's just. You can just run basic. It, I've, you can do it in five color. I've played five color decks with just basics. It made them work. You just gotta be smart about it. And like, if you're in five color, you have access to green for mana fixing with cultivate-like effects and ramp to search your deck for the colors you need. If you're in less than five, if you're in four color, you should most likely have green. But if not, you're playing every color but green. But then you have cheap artifacts that you're your color fixing. And then if you're in less than four color, you don't need it that bad. <laughs> there is no reality where these are good. Except, except one, but I'll mention that at the end. Yeah. Only. I'll, I'll cut to it. Only if you're playing in a deck where gates matter. Yeah, gates matter. Mazes yeah. end. Um, there's a couple cards from Gate Crash and Dragon's Maze, but other than that, oh, I hate them. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> exactly. Which automatically means if you're looking at a land that comes into play tapped produces two colors and that's it it's automatically worse than a gate which is automatically worse than everything else mm -hmm. so don't do it for your sake and mine don't do it yeah if i borrow a friend's deck and there's guild gates in it he's getting roasted for the entire night it's i am ugh, ugh. all right um but let's go to you, you said you don't mind the bounce lands that much, so... What, uh... uh for, only for one specific reason. Alright, well, I'll explain them, then you state that reason, because I'm interested to hear it. So they, um, tap for... You tap them, and they produce both white and blue, for the Azorius example. So, a land that taps for two mana, super good, but they enter tapped, and when they enter, you need to bounce a land to your hand. This 
land can be a tapped land, and I'm also going to explain the other cycle. Then there's also the Karoo lands, which tap for two mana, but it's a colorless and one of the color for each of the five colors. And when they enter, you need to, you need to bounce specifically an untapped land to your hand. So a lot worse. Uh, but I, I assume you're talking about the Ravnica ones when you said you don't mind them too much. Um, I mentioned for all of them, specifically for the effect of bouncing. Yeah, so the effective bounce on your, uh, but you can't play them at instant speed, so you can't save anything. No, but for specifically decks where landfall matters, mm-hmm. uh, lots of landfall decks, like you mentioned, uh, our boy Omneth, and if you have a lot of lands that have ETB effects, like Bajukabog. Yeah. What other ETB effects do you think of, though? On the uh, ends? You know, <laughs> there's not that many, which is why it's hard to say that. Um, but entrance effects like Bajukabog, uh, Crumbling Vestige, really bad, don't do it. Um, Halamar Depths, you look at the top three cards, put them back in any order. Yep. Um, your my the favorite ones I like doing it with was Hideaway Lands. That's a good point. Um, after you use the card that's under it, you bounce it back to your hand, play it again, hide something else. You know. Um, then there's things like very off the wall stuff, like I don't know, like Piranha Marsh, the deserts. Um, there's some things that when they come into play, they like Witch's Cottage, uh, Vesuva. Vesuva, I think, is the biggest one. If I if I ever lose a game to somebody playing a bounce land and Piranha Marching me for one, I think <laughs> I, th- I think that's where my commander career ends right there. No, no, that's that's where you clap. <laughs> I will clap. They will take the throne uh, of. Just command best think, commander player. I don't have it. That that sounds very rude. But. You just end up rebuilding that deck. Yeah, <laughs> rebuild the deck entirely. I don't show my face for six months and then I rebuild all my decks. Um. But yeah, now, there's a there's a interesting effect thing here that can be taken into consideration. Um, and it's very off the wall, very niche. You're playing Blood Moon. So all non-basics are mountains. That doesn't stop ETB effects from happening. Yeah. So, things like that. It enters as, as enter the battlefield effect happens. It still enters tapped, but it counts as basic. And then you could get another ETB back to your hand. So that's yeah. something to remember is that even with Blood Moon, these ETB effects on lands will still happen. Yep. Um, basically, if you're running away to abuse the fact that they mount it, if you can turn their downside into an upside, uh, like I said, I played them in four-color Omnath. Uh, they're not bad, but other than that, they're basically gates. Once they're... Because they enter tapped, and they produce your colors, and they don't actually ramp you, despite tapping for two mana, because they bounce your land. 
other upsides, they can guarantee you a land for next turn in worst case scenarios, but uh, I mean, even every color has ways to really get to more lands. I mean, white has uh, land tax effects, blue and black have card draw, green has ramp, red has... I guess red doesn't, but... Black yeah. does have a lot of ways to specifically search swamps. That's like true, also. The, the Liliana, uh, there's black creatures that come into play search for a swamp. Mm -hmm. There's even artifact creatures that when they come into play, you search for a basic. Yeah. Um, I guess... Like, uh, there's, okay. there's a Thopter, and then there's... Uh, Pilgrim's Eye. Pilgrim's Eye and Burnished Heart. Yep. So, every deck can get what they need. So don't think just because you're not playing green, you can't fetch. We should mention Burnished Heart, because that's just such a... It's it's like, I think Psalms and Mulacrum is played way more, but Burnished Heart deserves a mention. Three yeah. mana for a 2-2 two, two artifact creature elk. Uh, pay three mana, sack it, search library for two uh, basic lands, put them into play. Just so good. It You can play it on turn three... Next turn, you can block with it, sack before damage. Uh, don't do that against a trample creature. Um, or you can just sack it. In Chainer, I like to just keep recycling him over and over again. Honestly, just... Get that, get that ramp up. Yeah, yeah I, I like it more than I like Salt, because it ramps you more, but it doesn't draw you the card when it dies, but... I prefer just getting my lands from my deck into play quicker at a faster rate. Yeah, yeah. One you definitely use the blocker. Mm -hmm. The other you don't. Yep. <laughs> um. Other oh, than that, are there any one-off cards? Oh, sounds like that's yeah. I, I, I do have a couple one-offs. Um. And these are more of. They're for decks that have more colors in them, like three to five. But mm -hmm. these cards rely on what your opponents are playing. Interesting. Uh, Felwar Stone. Mm -hmm. Exotic Orchard. Yep. And Forbidden Orchard. Which Forbidden they produce... Orchard doesn't require your opponent, does it? No, but you give your opponent a 1-1. One, one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're just hoping that they don't have something that will benefit off of it. Uh, <laughs> But Exotic Orchard, Felwar Stone, if you're playing three colors, sometimes two, they they matter. That one's a two-cost mm -hmm. artifact, doesn't come in play tapped, can produce color right away. And if your opponents are playing, any of your opponents are playing the same color as you, you get profit. And yep. Exotic Orchard, uh, it doesn't come into play tapped and can produce any color your opponents can produce. So if your opponent plays a command tower, you have every color. Or every color of their commander's identity. Fair. Yep. Um, but most of the time, you won't see a command tower unless it's uh, at least three colors is when you'll know you'll want to see it. Mm-hmm. So. I should also mention Felwar Stone. Like, I was saying Fractured Power Stone was good because it enters untapped and taps for a colorless. Felwar Stone enters untapped, taps for... Unless every opponent at your table is playing... Cause, is playing colorless, taps for a colored mana. Which is just good. Two mana rocks that enter untapped and can be used right away are just valuable even if they you don't get your color. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And then Forbidden Orchard taps for any color. When you tap it, uh, for mana, you give somebody a spirit. A 1-1 non-flying spirit. I always forget that. I think it is the only non-flying spirit token, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> One of very, very... A very, very small bloodline of spirits. <laughs> uh, that's far as spirit tokens go. Yeah, yeah, I should say. Um, then yeah, I guess Hedron Archive we should mention too. For definitely, if you're in white or red, um, it's four mana. Enters untapped, taps for two colorless. You can also pay two mana, tap it, sack it, draw two cards. You know, use it as yeah. ramp early game. Use it as card draw late game. It's got yeah, everything. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's actually part of its own weird over the set cycle. Yeah, you have Mindstone two, one mm -hmm. tap sack draw a card, and you got Hedron four, tap two sack draw two, and then there's the six cost one. Dreamstone three Hedron. and sack it. Yeah, there you go, and you tap it, sack it for three draw three. Yep. I think Mindstone and uh, Hedron Archive are the best out of that cycle. Yeah, and a lot of our card suggestions have come across here for multicolor decks, but a lot of this stuff can also be played in monocolor decks and still help you get through. Specifically, mm -hmm. like every rock or land that we mentioned, like the cycle lands or the sack to draw artifacts, can help you in monocolor. Like, yeah. specifically red and white that mostly white that tend to have a lack of draw effects yep and it's it can be hard to ramp in monocolor decks outside of green like even in mono black you know if you don't get your cabal coffers uh out early you need artifacts to ramp really mm -hmm. you do yeah and it's like my com my competitive my yogmoth mm -hmm. um I don't have Erberg or Cabal Coffers in it. Because yeah. I don't want to rely on them. Well, it's just too slow. By the time you're getting advantage from Erberg and Cabal Coffers and competitive, it's the game's gone on for too long, I think. There's also that. Yeah. And also, I don't want to give anyone else who might be planning to play that slow an advantage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I had a friend who played Mono Black Sadisi, and, you know, his, his CDH deck goal was to ramp to five mana as quick as possible to play Sadisi, get ad nauseum, win the game. Um, oh, the price on that mana base. It was it was exorbitant. <laughs> I mean, just single cards that you could buy entire decks for just to get it to function. I've never been a fan of ad nauseum. I, I don't like it. I hate the fact that every time I play black, that's what people are assuming I'm doing. <laughs> it's so good, though. <laughs> yeah, it may it may have created a negative stereotype towards the color you play, but it's so good, though. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't argue. It is good, but it's too good. <laughs> we're like, oh, sorry. I would like rather play Bells and Lock. I think it is. Yeah, he's so cool. Demon Lord. Bellsmark. He seems fair in comparison mm -hmm. to Ad Nauseum. So, uh... 
Yeah, we ran out of mana stuff, didn't we? We're, yeah, we're <laughs> coming up. We're coming up on an hour, um, and next week is pre-release. Do you want to go over your maybe uh, commander you're excited for from the new set and a card in the ninety-nine you're excited for? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, what I'm definitely looking for is Nashi, the Scion Rat. Yeah. That every time he deals combat damage to an opponent, I exile a card from the bottom of each of their decks, and I may play those cards. Mm -hmm. I may play one of those cards this turn, paying life for its mana cost. And play one of those cards. Not cast, play. So, if I steal a land, and I haven't played a land this turn, I I hit my, my curve. You know? Or... But those cards stay exiled if I don't use them, and that's fantastic. That's so but good. It, that's the that's the the commander I'm planning on building out of the set for sure. <laughs> uh, mostly because I hate how the dragon is definitely uh, reanimator combo, but so boring, 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 boring. <laughs> and the card for the ninety nine that I am head over heels for <laughs> is. Ruthless Technomancer. Oh, so good. Finally, Black gets its own version of Dockside Extortionist, except this one actually extorts. Um, So, it costs two and a black, I believe, yeah. Um, And when it comes into play, you sacrifice a creature. Ta-da! And when you sacrifice a creature, you get amount of treasure tokens equal to its power. Or is it toughness? Power. Power, right. And then you can play two and a black as an activated ability on it. Sack a number of treasure tokens, a number of artifacts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so X, X artifacts. And you can reanimate a creature that has X power. Yeah. I so mean, not only does busted. it give you mana, it gives you a reanimator built in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's oh. I mean, we were in the ABU Discord. We were just talking about Compass with it for a bit. I was talking to you about it. It's just if you have a sack outlet and a cons- if if you have sack outlet in Phyrexian Delver, that's just infinite death triggers and ETBs and mana. If a sack outlet produces mana, of course you have to pay uh, four life each time. If you have Phyrexian uh, Reclamation uh, and some board buffs it can go infinite it's just really easy to go infinite even, really powerful you can even use strands of night a couple times oh, I love strands of night strands of night two black sack of swamp put a creature from your graveyard in play bada yeah. bing bada boom it's, and it's an enchantment it costs two black black and oh. I'm going to be using it with necrotic ooze yeah I mean I have I have like four of them they're in each of my reanimator decks so good yeah necrotic ooze has the activated abilities of everything in your graveyard Mm-hmm. So what do you do? You <laughs> sack your creature that has more power while it's in play than while it's in your graveyard to the to the Technomancer. Uh, then you find like Phyrexian Tower. I'm um, not Phyrexian Tower. Like Phyrexian Altar, Ashnod's Altar, whatever. Uh, sack the Technomancer. Uses the oozes now activated ability to bring the Technomancer back, oh. and go to town. Like, just keep doing that. Well, first you bring back your other creature with the ooze. Mm-hmm. Then you bring back the Technomancer, sack the creature again, 
rinse, wash, sack, repeat. Hmm, funny that you dissed on Junji for being reanimator combo, but suddenly when it's Technomancer, you know. <laughs> uh, one's in the command zone. Yeah, one's yeah. not. Um, it's the same reason I don't like Ass Crack. Yeah, yeah I know I said is... his name wrong, but I said it right. I, uh, yeah, he's uh, Serex. So gross. I played him for a little bit. And it's just yeah. Ugh. You look at you look at that commander and you say, okay, all you're gonna do is get lots of mana in your deck. That's all your deck's going to do. One thing. Get lots of mana. <laughs> you don't even need lots of mana. You need a Heartless Summonings and a couple Swamps. <laughs> it's so good. Alright. Uh, I don't want to delve on that for too long. because. Okay, your turn before my Mono Black takes over the podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, my favorite commander, um, and this is definitely the inner weave in me coming out, is Ishii, two heavens is one. Uh, he's uh, red, white, black for a 3-4 legendary creature human samurai. Uh, he also has an effect. It is not unique to him. This is an effect from another commander from uh, the commander decks from Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Um, if a creature attacking causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control, that ability triggers an additional time. Wolfgar of Icewind Dale, I believe, has that exact text, but he also has melee, but he's red-green. Um, I'm excited for this. Not for, like, any cool mechanical reason, like there's some combos I want to do. I mean, you know, obviously there's probably some extra combat stuff you can do because you're Boros. But I've, for about four years now, been begging wizards for a Mardu Samurai Commander. And <laughs> we finally got him. <laughs> it only took returning to Kamigawa to get him. And it's, I'm so excited. This entire set, he was revealed kind of late. I was so mad. I was like, I swear, if we just get another... If we get a bad Boros commander for Samurais, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be upset. Um, but now, we got him. Everything's perfect. I can play Toshiro in the same deck as my the Samurais from Kamigawa. They're getting united. You can play the red one that gives them all double strike. It's, oh, it's going to be so good. <laughs> it's actually not. It's going to be an awful deck. It's I'm going to lose so many games with this guy. And I'm not going to I'm not going to care about losing a single one. <laughs> but yeah. He's uh outside of this. He's got a lot of cool stuff he can do. Um obviously the main combo is with the new Ryu Storm's Edge. Uh you can get a bunch of combats. Ryu says He's two red-white for a 3-3 three, three first strike. Whenever a samurai or warrior you control attacks alone, untap it. If it's the first combat of this turn, there is an additional combat phase after this. But you can attack with everything on that combat phase. So you can attack with one samurai or warrior, get two more combats, then swing with a whole squad on those other two. I think it's the that main is, one from the set. That is pretty cool. And yeah. it's cool to have ideas already for doing that out the gate. You know, yeah. I think that's what a lot of uh, a lot of cards like that have that kind of premise. Mm -hmm. So that's good. What are you thinking about the ninety nine? The ninety nine. Uh, you know, it's funny. You kind of dogged on him a little bit. Uh, mm. It's it's Junji, the Midnight Sky. I really love him in the ninety nine. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, in the ninety nine. Yeah, he's yeah. really cool. Yeah, he's the. I mean, yeah, he's the. He's a, he's a, 
one shot Micaeus, and I'm cool with that. One shot's a word. <laughs> He's three black black for a five five flying menace. Uh, when he dies, choose one. Each opponent discards two cards and loses to life, or put target non-dragon creature card from your graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. You lose two life. Um, like a reverse Phyrexian Delver, basically. Um, super good. I'm just gonna I'm gonna buy a bunch of copies, throw them in each of my reanimator decks, uh, and just go with them. You know, I can you can play them with a Phyrexian Altar in play, sack them, get something. Um, and then later, when you reanimate your whole board, he can protect stuff, because you can, like, if you're getting board wiped, you can sack the creature you want to save to the Phyrexian Altar, have the board wipe hit, and then reanimate it later and keep it in play. Just a super solid card in general, you know? The other effect isn't awful. Each opponent discarding two cards and losing two life. You know, that'll put you six cards ahead on a on a card advantage. <laughs> Excuse me, I have the hiccups. But yeah. Are there any cards from the set you're really not excited to see hit the table? Oh. Oh, yes. <laughs> now, I have a top two for this. Oh, you have a top um, two? Oh, yes. Um, now, the reason I'm... the one, My number one pick of F that card. <laughs> the reason it's head and shoulders above the other ones because the other one requires you to build around it now my number one pick of what the fuck wizards is Jenga taxes <laughs> sorry keep going I'll try to contain myself he has two effects one says that every time you cast specific types of spells you copy it okay that's cool, in a way. You know, it can get a little out of hand. But manageable. Then, fucking cocaine icing on the cake <laughs> is every single turn he cancels the first spell your opponents play. No fuck. Not only does he doubles his own shit and yeah. neutralizes one spell a turn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but what? Why? <laughs> what the fuck? It's just, you don't have to build around it. You can play any blue strategy you want. And he could sit as a commander and be like, yeah, fuck everybody. And I'm going to hate you off the table every fucking chance I get. <laughs> it's going to cost me two spells a turn to do it, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, definitely a really gross commander. Uh... Just a gross card. Like, I don't yeah. even want to see it in 99. Huh. Like, and you, you, do you remember what one of my most hated, my hated set cycle, hated cycle of cards is before this? What, what was that? Oh, all the Praetors. Oh, wait, it's still that. <laughs> What's wrong with older Urbrask, huh? What did he do wrong, Josh? He sucks. <laughs> all right, now you're just being hurtful, all right? <laughs> like, I had hope for the, for the Red Praetor. I mean, he's cool in a couple ways, but... In comparison to the other Praetors, he's a fucking Chihuahua. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jinkadax is definitely a feels bad card. Uh, I might sl slot him into a Grixis Reanimator deck for a little bit, but I doubt he'll be staying. Um, Good. 
The only thing... I might actually still play with you. The only... (laughs) (laughs) The only thing about it that has, like, that redeeming quality is that, uh... It's once per turn, and also, your opponents can, like, if it's my turn and I have a removal spell for him, I can be like, hey, Josh, I have a removal spell for Cameron's, uh, Jink Taxes. Can you cast an instant so it, it removes his ability so I can cast my removal spell? And then you can kind of politic with your table to remove it. But definitely, if you're playing this card, expect the table to team up on you to remove it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, don't complain about that happening because it is your own fault for getting there. Um, yeah, you bring this guy or something like Turgrid to a table and you get focused down, you only have one person to blame. <laughs> yeah. I definitely, and it's not Mark Rosewater. I don't mind him too much, is the thing. <laughs> Which I think maybe maybe I'll mind him more after playing against him. I want to I wanna hear from our from our audience in our discord uh and from you josh do you think would you rather play against let's say would you rather sit down and have this jingataxis in play staring you down or the old jingataxis in play staring you down i mean i have an answer for you right now oh really what is that oh i would definitely rather be against the old gen really why is that Okay, Olgen basically says your hand size is nothing. And that essentially means you play one card a turn after the first lap. That's not what this gen says. No, this gen says you play two cards a turn or you play none. Your hand size doesn't is irrelevant in this mm-hmm. situation. And it doesn't give you a turn to prepare for that, like the old one. Yeah. You don't have till the end of your turn to prep. No, no, you're fucked from get-go. He enters, and you play two a turn or nothing. And you immediately have to work with people that you may have been fucking over the whole game, and they may not want to help. Like, they may force you, yourself, to deal with it, and then go full tilt on you. It's a... It's a fucking... It's the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know when they're all standing off, doing the stare-down? Mm-hmm. Who's going to throw the first spell to, so I can do stuff? Yeah. And it's standstill, but worse. Yeah. There is no profit. Oh, there, there is for one person. <laughs> yeah, they, they get commander taxed when it finally works. Yeah. Because uh, that bitch is getting popped. But wait, you're playing blue. <clears throat> yeah. I. Uh... It's, it's hand advantage. You have an extra counter spell in your hand every single turn and it's free oh yeah I kind of think I'd rather it depends on my position in the table let me say this if I'm going right after the Jinkataxis player I'd rather be playing against this one because I'm just going to pass and hold my removal spell and just tell the table I've got a removal spell get its trigger out of the way and I'll take care of it um or let's let's actually go for the situation where I don't have a removal spell. I'm just gonna draw. I'm gonna maybe play two things, pass, go, um, and then one, uh, hope somebody else can take care of it. Or two, 
um, just kind of hit them, you know? Just smack them with my creatures. Um, but if I'm not going right after them, I'd rather have the old Jinkataxes. Because if it, if it goes to the person after them and they don't have something, they discard their hand, and that's a positive for me. <laughs> like, even if there's a Jinkataxes in play, the pers that person is still my opponent. That just discarded their hand, and then I have a chance to deal with it. So I, I was yes, table position matters. Because this Jinkataxis, you know, if you just don't do anything about it, your opponent gets an extra artifact or instant spell each turn, um, and you have to play smart for a while. That's my only redeeming thing about it. But the old Jinkataxis, if I don't have an answer for it, I lose everything in my hand. And this one, if I don't have an answer for it, I just lose one thing from my hand. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Depends on how long it stays. I would I would hope somebody has a, a, one removal spell among the three of us, but... Yeah, if they were sitting in the command zone, I'm going to yeah. be holding removal. Yeah, especially if they're in the command zone, hold your removal. That's how you play around this guy. Hold your counter spells, actually. I, I, if I saw either of them in the command zone, I'm going to hold removal. Gosh, yeah. Because... I'm not. I don't want to be the guy who goes after the Jenga Taxis, the old one, mm -hmm. and lose my hand. Yeah, it's a tactical thing to just hold your removal until the other people lose their hands, but that's a that doesn't make you friends at the table technically. Yeah. So politicking is popping it before everybody loses their hand, because mm -hmm. then you could say, "Hey, I could pop it now before your turn ends," but you got to think about that later, you know, when it comes to something of mine that you want to remove, you know? Yeah. You don't get an option with the with the new one. It's everybody has to work together. Yep. Or everybody suffers. And speaking of holding your removal for a commander, do you know what my least favorite card from this set is? Oh, you mean it's not Jin? It's not Jin. I <laughs> it's Satoru Umazawa. I am not excited for this card. <laughs> he is one blue-black for a 2-4 human ninja, legendary creature. Uh, you can activate whenever oh, yeah, you activate okay. a ninjutsu ability. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand, the rest in the bottom of your library in any order. This ability only triggers once each turn. Cool effect, you know, synergizes with ninjutsu. Great. You know, just like Jinkataxis, first ability, super cool, you know? Then we get on to the second ability. Each creature card in your hand has a jitsu for two blue black. Why? <laughs> I am not ready for the turn three Satoru Umazawa, turn four Jinkataxis. <laughs> okay, yeah, he made my number three slot on cards I am not banned for. Oh, yeah. yeah, number three. He's so he's so gross. They're just gonna Yeah. I'm just it's gonna be a lot of the similar get get used to being hit by Eldrazi early, yeah. Unless you hold a removal spell for him. Notably, they don't get the attack trigger with their creature, so no annihilator. But yeah, it's get used to having to hold removal for this guy or getting beat over the head with big creatures early. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. Um, there the only other creature, the only other card that I was okay. There's a there's a number four. But it's still a good card. I like it. Uh, my number four, I'll tell you, it's the new white removal spell. 
Really? For six mana, choose any number, X all the things. Oh, yeah. I man. like that card. That card's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, it's still six mana. If it was mm-hmm. any less, I'd be like, nope. Um, but my number two card of things that I'm not excited for, and this is the one that you have to build a deck around. But once you build a deck around it, it's fucking absurd. Um, and that's Hinata. Hinata, Hinata, Hinata. Mm-hmm. Who's Hinata? Yeah. Uh, you know, four mana, uh, flying trample, four, four. Yep, Hanada. Yeah, really good <laughs> yep. mana. Really good stats, you know. Balanced card right there. Uh, second ability is your opponent's spells have to pay one extra for every target. Okay. Not bad. You know. That's, that's a balanced card for four mana. But wait, like Jen, there's more. Um, and a lot more. For every spell that you cast, for every target, it costs one less. Yeah. The fuck? It's... Yeah. There's a lot of cards... Every Discord server I was on broke that card in five minutes. Yeah. It's gross. Um, Do we have a development team? Do we have playtesters? Do we have people <laughs> who look at these fucking cards? Seriously? I. The, the three we just mentioned. Jen, Satoru, and Hinata. The fuck, bitches. I, listen, Jin and Satoru, I think, I dislike them. I don't think they're flawed. I think Hanada is going to be very quick to play. The The games against Hanada are going to go quick, I think. Let me put it that way. Um, yeah. This card, it's just there's so many ways to break it. I'm sorry, it's just... I think Gearhead's Benevolence is one. Just any X spell where you can choose any number of targets. I mean, Fireball, even. Yeah. Um, there's, I think it's called Icy Wind. One blue X. Uh, Frost Tap X target permanence. Mm-hmm. Um, so one blue tap everything. Yep. And it doesn't untap. Uh, one, it's, a one, no. it's a one blue time walk. Yeah. What? No. No. And to remove it, it's going to cost you one extra, which means the one land you may play on your turn, you're not going to be able to do anything with it. Yep. And it's going to cost always one more to remove Hanada. I, uh... Listen, if you're playing Casual Commander, talk to your friends about this card, if they're thinking about building a deck around it. Um, or, or, or Jin. Or Jin, yeah. I think the thing about Jin, though, is he's, like, a seven-cost commander, so at least you know the game's gonna go decently long anyways. <laughs> but when it happens... Yeah. And the thing about Jin is... He, he's, like, kind of a cool, flashy effect. Hinata is just a man of discount. A massive one. Yeah. And, it, and I guess in that aspect, Hinata can be more of a problem at the table is because... Mm-hmm. With Jen, you know what he's doing. You know how to play around. With Hanada, there's no fucking telling what kind of bullshit's gonna come out <laughs> of that hand. Is all my stuff gonna get bounced? Is all my stuff gonna get tapped? Is everything gonna take one damage? Are all my creatures gonna get exiled? Are all my lands gonna get bounced? Don't, no. No. Yeah. Don't do it. Hanada's basically a five mana commander where you get to just ruin an entire permanent type that when it enters the battlefield. Uh, but yeah, you know, 
just watch out for it. If you're thinking about building it, um, consider your playgroup, the power level of your playgroup, what they like to do, and what you want to do with Hanada. Because there is a lot of cool stuff you can do with it. I think there's a lot of potential for this to be a really fun, unique commander. Um, but it needs to be... You need to be thinking when you play it. Which is the point of casual commander, you know? There are plenty of commanders that'll, that are more broken than Hanada, probably, in CDH already. Um, in strategies. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So if you're looking just to play Hinata to win, I mean, I, there's other Jeskai commanders I can recommend you. Um, like, uh, actually, this might be the best Jeskai commander. I was thinking about Kaikar, but uh, we'll have to see what the CDH players say about that. But so try all out. of them are calling all of them are calling her a stacks piece. Yeah, I guess she is a good stacks commander too. Gosh, yeah, but yeah, you know. Rule zero, talk to your table, see, talk to your playgroup and your friends, see what they like, and try it out for a bit, you know? I'm sure it won't be too expensive because it's a rare from a standard set that's going to be in draft packs. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think, I think especially at our league, we don't really have a problem with people playing the busted stuff too much. I think people are going to try Hanada a little bit. Um... And we'll just have to keep those removal spells ready with one extra mana. Yeah. And that kind of reminds... Makes it like with Hanada and with Jen and Satoru, it's the good, bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, be good to your friends. You can play ugly cards, but don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> the good, the D-bad, and the ugly. <laughs> I've been waiting weeks to use that. Yeah. Oh. My poor audio issue just ruined that episode. It's alright. Yeah. It was a rough draft. We fixed it. <laughs> uh, we just only had to deal with my sniffles in the second episode. <laughs> I had no apologies. I had a cold. I warned you in the description of the episode. Yeah. But, uh... uh yeah. Well, I do you want to next week good. go over uh, Kamigawa stuff? Because that'll be pre-release weekend. Ooh. Yeah, we could talk about a lot of cards from Kamigawa, how they fit mm-hmm. into casual and stuff like that, and what your all the other cool stuff that you could look into. Like, we could talk about the different commander options, like yeah. what kind of stereotypes they fit into, or if there's any new ones. And don't mention mono black enchantments; it's still not a thing. Um, I don't care about you, Frog Toad. <laughs> You're bad. Frog Toad um, is uh, salt eye, though. Yeah, salt eye. Because <laughs> um, I'm so mad he's so bad. Um, but I would play in mono black enchantments. <laughs> Salta, yeah, <laughs> probably could get away with more enchantments, but it's such a diminutive effect. I get a frog that says every time I play an enchantment, you lose a life. Okay. Let's save it for next week. Yep. All right. And that's it for this week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we technically have a YouTube account. We need to get that uh, stuff running, and then they can check us out on there, but... Yeah, and that's where we're planning on putting a lot of our deck text and stuff so we can have mm-hmm. visuals and not have to read out every single card. And that will make our deck text go a lot faster and smoother and cooler. Yeah. So check us out. We're going to be getting stuff on the YouTube. We've got a Discord. Uh, yeah. What's, what's the uh, search for our Discord if you're having to look us up? Uh, you, need a, low you, tech? you need a link for Discord. So we should probably, I'll send that to you and we can put that in the description. Oh, you can't even you can't even search us out on YouTube on Discord anymore. No, no. At least I, I don't think thing. so. 
Um, but also, yeah. uh, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Music. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on RSS.com and Patreon. So yeah. we're, we're spreading out. And um, eventually, we're going to have all those other social activity things where we'll be able to communicate with you all on a regular basis. If you feel like it. Yeah. So. All right. Stay safe. See you all next time. Peace and grease. Shuffle up. Load out. Adjust my gain real quick. Gains over girls. That's why we play card games. <laughs> card gains. <laughs> card gains over card girls. What? <laughs> that's, that's not going into a blooper reel. No. Because <laughs> I'm the editor. Your, uh, getting your workout in. Getting your gains. Yeah, I gotta flex my shuffle, bro. <laughs> Shuffling a hundred today. Ooh, mm. we one hundred at nine and nine and one. Wait a second. Shuffling a hundred cards means you're cheating. Does it though? Should only be ninety-nine. Yeah, you're right though.